You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Andy, speaking of enjoyment, it's the week of LeBron. Uh, Jersey sales and Space Jam. Uh, yes. coming out this weekend. Yes. Um, you, you really want to combine these things. You go to the cinema this weekend wearing a LeBron jersey that you may have purchased in the most recent quarter, which, by the way, has led LeBron to the top of the jersey sales. So yeah, the, the, jersey sale, the jersey sales seem to be a little bit more complimentary than some of the early reviews of uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Uh, but we'll get into that uh, in our next segment and uh, a little bit of trade talk. The sign-and-trade machines have been fired up for uh, most of uh, Lakers Twitter over the last week or so, so we'll take a look at what's going on over there. But first, we want to continue our uh, series on the 2021 draft, getting you ready for who the Lakers might pick with the 22nd pick uh, on the 29th. And today for that, we welcome in Matt Moscona. He is the host of Locked On LSU. Uh, and after further review, which you can hear weekdays, 3 to 6 Central on ESPN Baton Rouge and New Orleans and basically everywhere uh, that they broadcast ESPN Radio in Louisiana. Is that about right, Matt? Uh, you you pretty much nailed it. If you can spell All my right. name, you can find me almost anywhere. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we, t- we talked about Trey Mann, uh, the guard from Florida, on Thursday's show. So we're going to stay in the SEC with Cam Thomas. He's a guy who's been connected in a few mock drafts to the Lakers uh, at, again, that 22nd pick. He's a, a scoring guard, 19 years old, six foot four, they say. Uh, a little over 200 pounds. Um, what you, what is you you saw him play a lot this year, Matt? Like, what is like this guy's primary value? You think right now to an NBA roster? Uh, he can create his shot, and he has offense from anywhere on the floor. Uh, he he pull up from the logo, and if his shot isn't there, he can put his head down. And he can finish at the rim or get to the line where he's a, a just under a 90 percent free throw shooter uh, in a game that values offense he is instant offense Uh, before he played his first game at lsu uh, will wade the head coach said boldly that cam thomas was going to be among the leading scorers in college basketball as a freshman and he was very quick to note not among freshmen among all players in college basketball Mm -hmm. and he finished top five in scoring in the country uh and he actually if i'm not mistaken would have been second in the country but one game against Ole Miss, he rolled his ankle, only played like three or four minutes, so he threw up a, a bagel. He didn't score in the game. So if you would actually take that one away from his scoring average, I think he would have been second in the country in scoring. He is he, – he's a, the, to call him a scoring guard is what he is. He will he will score from anywhere and get his shot even what? when his shot isn't falling. Yeah, and then I didn't want to call him a point guard because the 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 uh, the specificity of point guard it implies that there's some passing and uh, distribution and things like that. And for all the scoring that Thomas had, um, he was frightfully 
uh, short on assists. Um, how, is that a that, that, Brian, that 1.4 per game, I mean, you don't know the quality <laughs> of those assists. You didn't watch LSU basketball. Like That's true. Those that might have true. been those, That 1.4 assist each game might have been the difference between a win and a loss for LSU, so you at least should watch the tape. That's true. Were they, so were those assists on accident? Were those passes he made with the expectation of getting the ball back? Um, is he capable of, of being more of a a, a distributor uh, what's going on with that so that's kind of the really tricky question when you see a guy for for one season because mm-hmm. understand cam thomas's role on this team was you have a permanent green light and they, they did not hide that he was there to score and honestly sometimes it was to the detriment of the team because you would see cam thomas take contested off-balance shots where it didn't look like he was valuing possession. And that was something that became a big point of contention here last year like on my show and, and talking about, about this team. Cam would score, but then he gets the dreaded volume shooter label, which is unfair because mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't call him a selfish player. That, that's, that's not a fair label for a young guy. He was doing what he was told to do, which is go score. Go find a way to get your shot. I mean, LSU was coming off a year where they lost their top three scorers in the season before, and they needed a guy that could just go fill it up. And so he was that. They were unconventional, man. They were a team that was trying to win games in the 80s. I mean, they knew they, that was just how they were going to win games because they didn't really have size. I, I don't need to break down LSU, but understanding like that was just their best methodology. It's almost like, Texas Tech football where Mike Leach throws it 70 times a game because that's just the best way he knows how to do it in that particular offense. That's kind of what just what LSU was last year. When you talk about some of those contested shots that that he puts up, uh, there's a couple things I wanted to ask off that. A, the, the context of it notwithstanding, do you consider him a good, bad shot maker? You know, like the, those type of difficult shots? Because yeah. that's a skill, like making yeah. bad shots – you know, for whatever reason you do it, whether you're gunning or whether you have to, that's an actual, I mean, particularly for a team like the Lakers where they just desperately need someone to create and make a shot, put the ball on the floor. Brian and I I covered Kobe for 10 years and Kobe may be the best bad shot maker in the history of the game. (laughs) Um, He (laughs) was definitely one of the best bad shot takers. Yes. (laughs) But but you know what? He often made them, man. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of them. I was here for it. The other part of that question though, that I wanted to ask with, with Thomas's scoring in general, what do you see as his greatest strengths as a scorer? Like the stuff that he does especially well beyond just putting the ball in the basket. Um, It's very rare he's a really good jump shooter. Like he will create separation and he can make jump shots, which especially in the college game, and Brian and I were talking about this a little bit before we started. You just don't see much of that. Um, and, and the fact that he can pull up and hit a mid range jumper from the elbow, like you just don't see that a lot in the game. It's, it's go to the, it's, you know, go hard and get fouled or pull up for a three from wherever. And he can do that too. But I would say, honestly, the, the most impressive part of Cam's game was, I'll give you an example. There was a game early in the season against Georgia where he just couldn't throw it in the ocean. I mean, just I, he, the whole first half, I don't have the, 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 the box score in front of me, but I mean, he maybe, maybe three of 12, something. I mean, it was, it was awful. And in the second half, he said, forget it. He put his head down and went to the rim every possession. And he ended up 15 of 16 from the free throw line and scored 20, 25 in the game. 
and they won. He just found a way to get offense. And I think he's self-aware enough or showed enough self-awareness to know, man, if my shot's not falling, I can create offense other ways, and he went and got it. So if you need scoring, I don't know that he's a good bad shot or a bad shot maker, um, but he is good at, at finding a way to put points on the board. The one thing, you know, you talk about, you know, pulling up and hitting that that mid-range shot, that shot at the elbow, which is a great skill to have. And I think is it's there's the the focus on analytics, I think, in in casual conversation has made it sound like that has no value anymore, which isn't true. Um, but he was not a great three-point shooter. Um, I look at his game think- logs. Oh my God, they're all over the place. <laughs> yeah. like, they are wild, man. And he was not, he's, you know, he's a freshman. It's not sure. unusual I, for that to be, but like, you know, a, I think it was around 33% for the year. The flip side is you mentioned it earlier. He's an 88% free throw shooter. Usually those things can be pretty well correlated. Would you expect him to become a, a good enough at the very least NBA three point shooter over time? I would, I would say yes, because he has the range to be. And that's obviously another big difference between college and the NBA is three-point line is closer in college. But it it's one of those things where, guys, literally nobody on LSU's team was a good three-point shooter this past mm-hmm. year. That includes Cam. And and because teams focus so much defensively on him, he he did was forced into and took a lot of bad shots, which hurt his, his shooting percentage. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think as a rookie he steps on anybody's – team and becomes the focal point of anybody's offense but could he come off the bench and give you 10 to 12 a night yeah i think that's an easy expectation for cam as as a rookie um so yes i I absolutely think he can be a good enough three-point shooter in the nba i don't think there's any question he can be that i I know i keep going back to it it's just lsu was a they, they were not a great – they were a very deficient team a year ago, and they asked this freshman to do an awful lot, and it, it forced him into a lot of bad decisions, which I think is reflected in shooting percentage and uh, the, the the complete lack of assists. He was not ever mm-hmm. asked really to play defense, which he did not do well. Um, but the thing that I can say is when you come in as a five-star and you have all of that expectation heaped upon you, he was a great teammate. There was never a guy that you ever saw – emote on the floor uh, he he was never miffed if it wasn't going his way he didn't pout when things were going good you didn't really see the the the, the fire and the bravado like he was just a very uh stoic it might be a good word player that was just i mean always looked like he was just a shoot around you know just if you were looking at his, the expression on his face i think that's a that's a good and mm-hmm. rare trait for a freshman as well you had mentioned the idea of him being able to come out, um, put up ten to twelve a night. Do you the other parts of his game that so far need developing? You know, the, the playmaking. Um, from what I understand, with defense, uh, he is a work in progress. Like again, you would expect a freshman. Do do you expect any of those parts to become a problem keeping him on the floor? You know, for a team like the Lakers that you know is looking to contend. I'm so I'm really interested to see if in let's let's say hypothetically he ends up in LA. If he ends up in LA and you have a team that's obviously contending, has one of the top five, arguably greatest players ever in LeBron, you got AD there who's established. I think you have a good enough culture there. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong. You know, you know the Lakers way better than I do. I think you have enough of a culture there to where if he walks into a locker room. And given what I just described about a guy that was super willing to play his role, just the role he was asked to play is 
you're just going to go score every night, however you get your shot. If he walked into a locker room and they said, hey, look, we're going to need you to defend. I think he's the kind of guy that would would work his ass off and become a much better defender than he was in college because he didn't need to be, nor did he need to be when he was in high school, when you're playing on, on a prep team where you're the, the best player, one of the best players in the country is a five-star, and there's nobody really at that level that can stop you from doing whatever you want to do. If if a veteran locker room with established guys told him, hey, this is what you need to do to be effective for us to win, I, I don't think there's any doubt he'd do it because it's what we saw him do in high school. It's what he did at LSU. It might be a different role. How effective might he be? I don't know. But I think you're just talking about a guy that that is um, – that was was eager to win, obviously wants the ball in his hands and wants to score, but is willing to accept the role that's that's given him as well. Matt Moscona, he is the uh, host of Locked On LSU and uh, after further review, weekdays, uh, 3 to 6 Central Time, basically anywhere ESPN radio is heard He is the voice Louisiana. of Louisiana for ESPN. Yeah, well, just the whole well, damn Well, whatever that gets me. Okay. <laughs> He speaks for the entire state to the entire state. Um, Thanks so much for doing this, man. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for the invite. Locked on Lakers brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. This week is always a ton of sports action on the go. Get all the latest news, odds, info on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, UFC, MMA. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop, your mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, contest information. Don't Sit on the sideline anymore as this is your chance to get into the game while teams are neck deep in the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device, mm. sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus using the promo code locked on. Again, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So we're going to continue with uh, these draft previews, all these uh, players that have been connected to the Lakers in, in uh, you know, a few mock drafts. We're going to talk about Chris Duarte uh, on um, oh, next week, kids, you guys from Tennessee, all these other players that are, have popped up. But, Andy, we cannot forget about free agency. No. Um, because that's the big stuff. Well, it's right? rumor it's, season. You know, we love we love, rumor season. We love rumor. reckless speculation season. And while the 29th brings us the draft in the 22nd pick, it is it is open to question whether or not that pick, when it's all said and done, is going to have a big impact on the Lakers next year. Free agency season, trade season, all that stuff will. Um, and so with that in mind, this report um, earlier this week from Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, friend of the show, we had him on uh, a week or two ago uh, talking about his book. So this from uh, from Jake Fisher with Dennis Schroeder notably declining the Lakers four-year $84 million offer earlier this year. Sources confirmed to Bleacher Report has opened the door for Los Angeles to explore sign-and-trade opportunities this summer. The veteran point guard appears to be looking for a greater role and a bigger payday, neither of which the Lakers seem willing to provide. Schroeder also happens to be the best best trade ship Los Angeles holds to upgrade its roster. So we've talked about him. We've talked about uh, Kyle Kuzma's value and all these other things, but the sign and trade aspect of this is really interesting and really tricky. And what you'll notice about this that's different, Andy, than most of these constructions that we've uh, talked about, like DeMar DeRozan or, or Lonzo Ball or whoever it might be, is those involve the Lakers bringing in someone with a sign and trade. This is the opposite of that. This is them sending out a player via sign and trade. And the distinction is a massive one for reasons that you can explain. Well, it's because of the Lakers cap situation. They're currently 
over that cap, and I'm going to try to streamline this information as uh, digestible as possible, they have the ability to re-sign the three agents who matter the most, Schroeder, Alex Caruso, THT, even though they're over the cap. If they re-sign all three, that puts them in the luxury tax, leaving them with just 5.9 mil for the taxpayer mid-level exception, which will be the case even if Schroeder and Trez leave. They are almost certainly going to be over that luxury tax threshold no matter what they do. Right. But they re-sign Caruso and uh, THT at the expected numbers. And this all matters because to do a sign and trade likely requires offloading guys like Trez, either KCP or Kuzma. Otherwise, it it triggers hard cap and the Lakers cannot receive players in a sign and trade if it pushes them over that tax apron, uh, about $6 million of the luxury tax, which essentially is a hard cap. So right. the Lakers have very, very little wiggle room. Well, I mean, he, here's happen. the thing. Like, and Christian Rivas, who uh, writes for Silver Screen and Roll, did a great job breaking this down. Like, if you really are determined to sign and trade for Lonzo or sign and trade for DeMar DeRozan, like, it can be done. But to do it, you have to basically give up signing Caruso, signing, you know, certainly signing Schroeder, certainly signing, you know, THT, all those guys. You have to you have to basically gut the team to do it. If you want to try to sign somebody like Lonzo for 15, 20 million, whatever it is, and sign him into cap space, to do that, you gotta offload uh basically everybody's Caldwell Pope, <laughs> you gotta <laughs> offload Kyle Kuzma, you gotta offload Marcus All without bringing salary back. So it means yeah. no players. Um, so you gotta get rid of those guys, don't bring salary back, and then so either way, you're yeah, the, the way I, gutting I, I talk- the team. Yeah, the way I talked about this a little bit on Twitter with Christian, and he thought it was actually a good way to frame it as well. If you think Lonzo or DeMar DeRozan or whoever this theoretical sign and traded player joining the Lakers is, is good enough to be a thirdish banana on a contender, like particularly a contending team that is top heavy, mm-hmm. because that would likely be the case. Then you make a deal like this. If you don't think Lonzo, DeRozan, whoever is at that level, you wouldn't make the trade because the depth will ultimately help you more than that one player. I, I do. I, I mean, I, I I understand. I don't want to get buried in in ish. You can't have ish. It can't be okay. a third like ish guy. It can't be somebody close. It can't. Dennis Schroeder is third ish. Okay, um, and it did work. Banana, then fine. You have to find somebody who's even another. You know, on a normal team not one with two of the five best players in the NBA, but on a normal team could be the, the a, a clear-cut number two. DeMar DeRozan is of that quality. He is that good an offensive player. Maybe he's worth it, but he's also not speculative. You know exactly what you're getting with DeRozan. I could entertain the, op, the idea. And again, this is before I sit down and really do the math and try to just with the understanding that almost everything's got to go to bring him in. Do those three guys work together? What else could you put around him at veterans minimums and all this other stuff? Because again, you're going to be hard capped with a sign and trade. Um, I I at least think DeRozan's a good enough player to think about that. I I don't think you can do it with Lonzo, who's speculative and is hurt all the damn time. It's not just like, if you're going to do this, it better be for somebody who is available and available a lot. And DeRozan's history with that is a lot better than Lonzo's. Sign and trade scenarios are much more likely to include the Lakers sending somebody out. Dennis Schroeder, you know, as a, as a person that you send away in a sign and trade, it's it's tricky. 
because you you have to find a team that is once first of all once Schroeder and doesn't have those own hard cap him. situations themselves right doesn't like have this, the cap problems of their own wants to pay him is willing to send something back in return but also is in a situation where they would need to like the Knicks for example could do a sign and trade with Schroeder because they have enough cap space to sign it, but they don't need to because they can just sign him outright. So they don't necessarily have to give something up. They might end up in a situation like that, but they don't. And the overarching conversation we're going to have, um, we're, we're gunning for guys like you know Danny LaRue at The Athletic, Eric Pincus uh, from uh, Basketball Insiders, guys who really can break this stuff down. We're going to have them on the show heading into free agency at the beginning of August. Um, it's really hard. The bottom line for all this is it's if you are trying to construct things around free agent trades, things like that, signing trades with the Lakers, it's really damn hard. I think that's, well, the, the, that's the takeaway. Well, the other takeaway I've had just from seeing some of these reports is they're signaling much more of not just a willingness, but an actual interest in the Laker from the Lakers in parting ways with Schroeder. Like, you know, if you can find a way to do it that doesn't deplete you of the talent necessary to contend because obviously the Lakers, you know, they've got that championship window. They're trying to get back to the finals. And today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little more this season. Brian, that expectation when they traded for Schroeder, you know, giving up Danny Green and a draft pick was that Schroeder was definitively part of that future. And, you know, you saw that in ways like Schroeder basically being able to call his shot in terms mm -hmm. of being, being a starter, start. do, mm -hmm. you know, doing it pretty aggressively. And there's always been, you know, that perception that the Lakers saw themselves as kind of pot committed in terms of what they gave up with Schroeder and that future with him. And these reports to me signaled that they may recognize that for what, for a variety of reasons, this may not work, and what they're not going to do is allow either the the notion of being pot committed or what some people call the bird rights trap to lead them to make a decision that they ultimately don't think is a good one. Yeah, I, I would say I, I think that's true. But the, you know, there's a there, that is sort of the midpoint between we're going to sign them at all costs and getting nothing for him. I think the the fundamental to that idea of they're pot committed is you you better you have to get something for him because if you let him go. You have to use money to replace him, and sure. now you're you're again you're not be able to use. They have very limited options as it is. Yeah, if you have to absolutely. replace a guy, so that's the problem. But it, look, I mean, a sign and trade definitionally, if there's a team out there that wants to give Schroeder the money he wants and he's willing to go there, by definition, that's a city he's happy to go to because he's the one making the decision at that point. So it is not out of the question that something like that could happen. Anyway, though, lots more of this type of stuff is going to be coming out between now and the beginning of August. Uh, we're certainly going to be talking about it uh, a ton. So um, it won't be the last of it. Um, but next, Andy, it is the week of LeBron James heading into the weekend of LeBron James. We'll talk about it next. First, I want to tell you that Locked on Lakers, it's uh, the podcast brought to you by Built Bar. If you're needing something that's good for you, uh, something that's healthy, that's something that tastes good, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, that's Built Bar, Andy. And the new improved Built Bar, it's even more delicious than before. 18 flavors. That's a lot, including six lot. new ones like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and cherry barcia. Built Bar, it comes my sweet tooth. And you know, Andy, I got a ferocious sweet tooth. Um, and that's even without all that sugar because... 
It's it's covered in 100% real chocolate. It's soft. It's easy to chew. It really tastes good. And so if you're a candy guy like I am, you get a little bit of that satisfaction there. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order. Uh, again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. The uh, the annual jersey sales news came out this week, the rankings of, of jersey sales. Um, not terribly surprising to see, once again, LeBron James at the top of this list. Um, what I think is interesting, Anthony Davis, 13th, so uh, not necessarily a guy that people run off to the store and go buy his stuff. Well, wait well, till I they see him in Space Jam, Brian. Wait till they see true. him as a, as a monster, as a goon wait, squad hold guy. To, hold yeah. on to that thought, Andy. Because um, we are going to talk a little Space Jam, which uh, I know. premieres on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- what I think is really interesting about this this jersey list is after a a playoffs where there's been in, a ton of hand wringing over who's available, which stars are still in the playoffs. It's the worst thing that ever happened to the NBA and all this other stuff, which is language that people who cover the NBA need to stop using. Here's a list of the guys on it: it's LeBron, then Giannis, then Durant, then Luca. Tatum, Booker is sixth ahead of Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, then Dame, Trey Young at 11th, Embiid at 12th, John Morant playing in Memphis, Andy, John Morant is 14th. It's This tells me that this is a really healthy list, I think, for the NBA. It tells me that these guys are up and coming that they, you know, guys like Tatum and Booker and Luka and Trey Young, who are the future of this game. In addition to being kind of the present, they're the guys in the finals, you know, with Booker and, and Giannis, whatever. Like the league is fine from a superstar standpoint, from a talent standpoint, from a guys to be interested in standpoint. The league is fine. It's a bit of a transition period, and people just people need to stop talking about how terrible things are if star X, Y, or Z doesn't make the playoffs. I don't mean fans, I mean people whose job it is to sell the game, broadcasters, radio hosts, things like that. St- knock it off with this stuff because it's not true. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I I don't know if it's true or not true because I think in a lot of ways, we're still navigating a new world where gauging interest in something isn't as easy as it used to be where you just looked at TV ratings, TV ratings alone, and there weren't all these different mm-hmm. delivery systems and all, there weren't all these different ways to gauge fan interest, to, you know, to gauge how much people are watching, where they're watching. And frankly, I don't think anybody knows the answers to all this stuff yet. I think this stuff is all still being figured out. That being said, though, the way all these different streaming services or, you know, companies like Apple and stuff like that are looking to get into the live sports business, clearly they think that there is a potential there with all these different sports, not just the NBA, but period. Like you've got all these different entities looking to get into this industry. It's not because they think we're generally losing as a society interest in sports like just ratings in tv they just are down they don't, they don't for, for they're, they're down for everything everything like they're there and i think it's still it's difficult to know exactly just how to gauge where we're at like when you were talking about being in a transition period it's it's not just for the players involved it's just sort of media consumption one thing though that i think did jump out at me in terms of signaling the league still needing to figure out how exactly to market new guard guys. You know who's not on this list? Zion. Zion should be on this list. Yeah, you're the right. way 
He has been marketed so heavily, like the attempt. If John Morant can be yes. If John yes. Morant can be 14th, I think New Orleans just is not going to work as an NBA city because they've actually had stars and it's not translating. And and to me, the you know, Zion not being able to no, appear yeah, you're in right. this. I, I didn't thought of that. A guy like, you're right. When a guy like John Morant, like it, to me, it signals that the league is actually in in a good place when it comes to talent. I think they're still trying to figure out just exactly how you market this stuff in a brand new world. There's just it, the, the thing about it is like I and I understand there's a political element to some degree when when people obsess over TV ratings with basketball, but it's not just that. I mean, it is basketball for whatever reason has been a TV obsessed. What's wrong with kind of sport in ways that the only one that I think is is comparable is baseball. But the difference is between baseball and basketball is baseball actually really does have a problem with the, their fan base in that they are aging quickly. And, and like in 15 years, half of them are going to be dead. Like that's the problem with baseball's fan base. Basketball's problem is more people are not necessarily, it's not that our people aren't consuming basketball. It's that they aren't necessarily consuming it in ways that people have quite figured out how to measure and monetize yeah. in the same way, but that's a different problem. Plenty young, the right demographics consume the hell out of basketball and, and the NBA and the culture around it and all that stuff. It's, it's traditional media that hasn't quite figured out how to, uh, how to internalize these things and, and talk about, the popularity and the quality of the game. Uh, speaking of quality, Andy, the original Space Jam is a terrible film. Just terrible. It's a you hear that, Dave McMenamin? That's right. It is bad. It is. Uh, it was when when it came out. It was panned by the critics. It had a low uh, Rotten Tomatoes critic score, and it deserved all of that. Yeah. It, it somehow is. became sort of this cult classic. Well, I I think it's a combination of you know. MJ lore, you know, Michael yeah. Jordan is still Michael Jordan. The soundtrack exploded. Yeah. And I think people still love Bill Murray in it. Like, and it's now, I think in some I ways, think it's, it's a movie that people remember liking because they haven't seen it in 15 years. Well, there, there's years. that, but I, but I think it's also kind of a curio in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you got to remember, like as, as much as we both think the movie, to be honest, is crap it's at terrible. the time, what they did was pretty wild. Like the it idea was. of putting the idea of putting an athlete, like a non-actor athlete, you know, somebody who had never done anything other than commercials with Michael, you know, a couple episodes of SNL, but Michael Jordan as the lead in this, mm -hmm. acting off a bunch of cartoons for the most part, which That's other than crazy. like Cool World and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that didn't really happen. And you know, the the tech the, the tech, which now at this point seems incredibly primitive and shitty. Frankly, back then was <laughs> back then was pretty. No, back wild. in the day, no, back in the day, it was a real thing. But anyway, so the new Space Jam, LeBron's movie, and nostalgia, uh, just general right. nostalgia. Yeah, the reason that the one of the reasons that LeBron, uh, in theory, isn't playing in the Olympics, um, the other being he doesn't want to, <laughs> but but he's 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 busy playing in this tournament, Andy, to save the Earth and his son and all these other things. So Space Jam, I will admit, is not the kind of movie that you're going to go see because the critics like it. That said, although, although if it were, <laughs> wow. <laughs> the critics. I mean, you know, no nobody thought like it. 
Nobody thought Paddington 2 would be like the best reviewed movie in the history of Rotten Tomatoes. And it's great. By but the way, if, go see Paddington 2. It's fantastic. Um, this is, I, I've made a little compilation. You and I are going to try to watch this movie over the weekend if we yes. can, but we'll do it soon because we're going to give our own review of Space Jam a new legacy. Uh, this is the New York Times. Uh, leaves a viewer feeling like Wiley e. Coyote after hitting a Mesa wall. I am assuming that's not good. <laughs> it doesn't sound like something good. Uh, this from Entertainment Weekly. Space Jam, a new legacy can be described in one word, and that word is expensive. It's built yes! upon piles and piles of the only true currency in this bankrupt world, which we all know is IP. Um, that is true. That's actually yeah. a very good uh, summary of the state of Hollywood right now. It is. Um Let's see oh. this again from EW. Here's the thing about basketball. It's extremely watchable. Here's the thing about Space Jam, a new legacy. It's not. Damn. Ouch. Um, this from the AV Club. Just so you know, we're not just like pulling from all the stodgy old traditional media ones. AV Club. That's where all the, the young people go, or at least some of them. Actually, probably it? not. <laughs> is it? No, what really just happened, Brian, is you exposed yeah. yourself as one of the old people. I am one of the olds. Uh, Space Jam, a new legacy, takes almost I saw this nothing on Facebook. Wrong. That's where all the youngins go, right? <laughs> so I was looking at my MySpace page to see what people thought about Space Jam, a new legacy. They don't like it. Um, check my Space Jam, a new legacy, takes almost nothing but wrong turns, all leading to a glittering CGI trash heap of cameos, <laughs> pat life lessons, and stale internet cash phrases hmm. again not a strong review no I mean, it's a strong review but it's not a good review no, what are your uh, expectations for this well i'm uh, before even getting to my own i put out a poll at cam brothers um how excited are you to see the new space jam the options being very excited to see it sort of excited to see it if i see it i see it and i'll never see it uh currently right now and there's still about you know 20, well, by the time you hear this, there'll be less time to vote, but there still will be time if you want to chime in. Very excited to see it, 20%, sort of excited to see it, 18%. If I see it, I see it, leading the pack at 42%. I'll never see it at 20%. That's not good. So, you know, the That's the overriding, good. the overriding uh anticipation towards it is, you know, if it's there, I'll watch it, but I'm not going to go out of my way to do it. Uh that said, my expectations and Oh, so we're on that point. My kids, who are theoretically the demographic here, have zero interest. In you know what? My ten-year-old daughter actually does want to see it. I was well, surprised, but one she out of actually three in Kamenetsky children. Yeah, she actually does uh, want to watch it. We we plan to watch it this weekend. As, in terms of my actual expectations for it, and based on what we're reading right now, they may be wrong. But this is what I've been saying for about six months to a year, and I'm going to stand by it. I think if nothing else, Brian, it's going to be better than the original because LeBron has way more experience as both an actor and in terms of just choosing scripts, creating content, being a part of it. He's much more experienced than MJ ever was. The technology is better. And I think athletes are just more savvy with this stuff in general. Mm -hmm. Could end up being wrong. But again, the bar for me to be correct is not very high. It may not I, be good, but I still could be right. I want it to be good, or at the very least, good enough. Uh, Goodish. Goodish, good adjacent. I'll take any of that. Um, I, I am, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> Based on what I'm reading early, I'm a little concerned. There I, is we'll, one we'll, thing, though, oh, just really quick before we go, um, with reference to the, you know, the IP-a-palooza, 
um, that is both the state of Hollywood, but in particular in this movie, because Warner Brother leans, I already knew this and it's been well publicized, Warner Brothers leans hard into all their IP and they've got like a bunch of different characters from all sorts of different movies, you know, including like a clockwork orange, apparently like the droogs are hanging out. I think if, watching if this it is, game. If it is a part of the Warner catalog, it is in this movie. Right. That is the part that I'm actually kind of excited about because I think if you are willing to lean into just how nakedly ridiculous that is and have fun with it as opposed to trying to show off the catalog, I actually think that could be hilarious. But right. and you got and you have to and you have to yes and the plot generally. Like, you know, somebody's going to take over the world through but only through a basketball. Like you got to get a yes and your way through some of these things. And yeah. willing suspension of disbelief is required before you go see Space Jam a new legacy. It reminds me of my friend when we were uh, kids when the original Batman came out. His review of Batman was it's not realistic. I said <laughs> Batman. Um, yeah. so he did not engage in willing suspension of disbelief, my friend Jason. So don't be like Jason. Go in with an open mind. And we will be back with our reviews. Uh, we'll also be back with more of our uh, previews over the course of next week. Uh, Jared Butler from Baylor, Jaden Springer from Tennessee, Chris Duarte from uh, Oregon. Among the players, we're going to get uh, some free agency previews out there. So a lot of stuff coming as we ramp up for the draft, ramp up for free agency. Make sure you uh, subscribe to Locked on Lakers on YouTube uh, to catch up on all that stuff and never miss any of the content. Uh, Plus we'll the Spotify see, Green Room oh, Spotify conversation Green Room, Friday at noon, noon if Pacific you, time. Pacific, if, if it's not too late for you, Friday noon, uh, Spotify Green Room, join us there. We'll see you everybody next time.